You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's easy to pile on Ryan Pace for some of the bad free agent signings he's made as general manager. But when we go back through his entire tenure, you can find a lot of good along with the bad. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at Cox Sports One. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook or join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more daily Bears talk. I want to shout out the Locked On Bears Facebook group real quick because on yesterday's podcast, we talked about some top NFL draft prospects for the Chicago Bears. And one of the players I talked about is Northwestern cornerback Greg Newsom. And Todd in the Lockdown Bears Facebook group pointed out that I spent the whole podcast calling him Gavin Newsom, which is the name of California's governor and not the name of the Northwestern cornerback. Juggling a few too many prospects there, mixed up a first name. Well, a good catch by Todd in the Lockdown Bears group. And any of those of you else playing along at home, that's a name I, you won't hear me mix up that same way anymore now that that's good and stuck in my head. But on today's podcast, we're going to take a quick break from the draft preview and put a bow on free agency up to this point and kind of compare, okay, what has Ryan Pace done through his career as a general manager? I think there's a perception, of course, that Ryan Pace has had a lot of misses in free agency, and that's absolutely true. There have been a lot of misses. But there have been some pretty solid signings along the way, some ones that have worked out very, very well, some that come to mind pretty easily, and some that you might forget about or might not think as much about as quality signings. And it kind of leaves Ryan Pace a little bit more middle of the pack in terms of general managers. We'll learn some lessons about where the Bears have had some success and where they haven't and how that kind of leaves them shaking out in free agency. You can look at the roster and right now kind of see... The big three for free agents that definitely panned out exactly the way, if not better, than the Bears possibly would have anticipated. Akeem Hicks, Danny Trevathan, Allen Robinson. Robinson obviously coming in as uh, supposed to be a number one wide receiver and doing everything we expected him to. I mean, even coming off of the ACL, there was maybe some concern as far as what he would get back to, but he has gotten back to everything and more, and now it's a question of, okay, can they lock him up again long-term? And there's some ongoing discussions about what that's going to look like and what the future might be, but certainly for the contract they signed him to and the role they signed him for, Allen Robinson, one of the best free agent signings of the Ryan Pace era. Akeem Hicks might take that title throughout because expectations weren't nearly as high as he ended up hitting, right? I mean, we were thinking they were going to get a pretty solid defensive lineman, but we weren't necessarily expecting Pro Bowl caliber guy, even though, you know, he's gotten snubbed. And, of course, he's had a a little bit of injury in there the last couple of seasons, a little bit banged up. But we saw three solid years to start and still some left in the tank for Akeem Hicks. So, obviously, far and away one of the best signings. And Danny Trevathan, very, very solid at linebacker. We knew they were getting a Super Bowl champion linebacker. He's come to Chicago and been that steady 
leader in the middle of this defense and a mentor to Roquan Smith. And now he's still locked in for a little bit longer and should be a part of this Bears defense. But the signings go a little bit deeper than that. They're really like the biggest of the big money, right? And big money is relative there because Danny Trevathan wasn't super expensive. Akeem Hicks, not super expensive. Robinson, a little bit more top dollar. And we're taking out, we're not including some of the Bears re-signing their own players and some of those deals in this, but we're talking outside free agents. We've seen Ryan Pace really find some gems that I think he deserves credit for that other general managers don't seem to find in the same way. I mean, we've seen Bill Belichick pull players out of nowhere, but we talk about player development versus player acquisition. And it feels like, for example, haha, Clinton Dix is just your general manager playing the market right. He's not uncovering some player that we didn't realize was good and comes to Chicago and it's like, whoa, that guy's actually good. No, we knew haha, Clinton Dix was a, a solid NFL safety and the Bears got him for just a massive massive steal. I think, what was it, like 3 or $4 million just for that one year? Absolutely. Or a guy like Prince Amukamara comes over and is a solid starting cornerback. I mean, he fills the role really well in this defense. He wasn't an elite playmaker by any means, but he was what they needed him to be and filled everything they needed him to do. And, of course, they ended up releasing him for salary cap purposes, but that was kind of built into the contract from the beginning. You know, he was a, a great opportunity to check the box. Or getting Josh Sitton. Right before the start of that season, was that 2016? It's been so long since a lot of these original Ryan Pace free agent signings. But to be able to kind of bring him into Chicago, fresh off of a Pro Bowl season with the Green Bay Packers, get a couple of Pro Bowl caliber seasons from him for the Bears. There was some injury in there too. And he was obviously over the 30-year mark and on the decline by the end. But huge to add that caliber of a player at that time of the season and to be able to pull that deal off and, again, follow the market that way, you know, that he deserves credit. Even when it kind of falls in his lap, he still had to beat 31 other teams to the punch and still had to get that free agent to sign here as opposed to someone else. And then you've got a little bit more of the, like, under-the-radar guys that come to Chicago and play far and above what we expected, you know, especially the defensive line. Nick Williams, a couple of years ago, shows up after really struggling to maintain any role with any team and gets more than a handful of sacks and gets a big deal with Detroit the next season, or even just this past year, you know, Brent Urban and Mario Edwards being really important, solid, rotational defensive linemen. Mario Edwards rewarded with a contract extension. Those guys coming out of nowhere and playing in Chicago at a much higher level than anyone expected. I mean, those are good signings, value signings that don't get the same headlines or the same attention, but have been very critical to the Chicago Bears team-building process. Of course, they've had other guys that were supposed to be essential to the team-building process that just really didn't pan out and do put the general manager in some bad light. We'll look at some of the more frustrating Bears free agent signings, and then we'll try and take some lessons away about what we know about Ryan Pace and his free agent habits next on Locked On Bears. Now is your last chance to get some money down at betonline.ag for this weekend's last four teams in the college basketball tournament. I've got some cash down on Houston plus five. Not sure they're going to pull off the exact upset, but I think they'll be able to keep it within that margin to cover that spread. But you can even get odds for the national championship game before we even know who's going to play. BetOnline.ag has odds for all four possible matchups 
in the final game. Houston-UCLA, Baylor-UCLA, Baylor-Gonzaga, and Houston-Gonzaga spreads for all four. So you can get really early odds if you think you have a pretty good shot of where this is going to go. Now is the time to work ahead and put your money where your mouth is on betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account and enter our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your free 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Any and all Ryan Pace free agent criticism kind of has to start with Mike Glennon, right? I mean, that's the poster boy of a free agent signing that was billed to be something and ended up being very little. We were all a little bit surprised when Mike Glennon was the signing, but I also think we were all maybe ignorantly willful, or willfully ignorant I think is probably the term, but I think we were probably more ignorantly willful if I had to kind of make it up my own way because probably we knew that Mike Glennon probably wasn't going to be good. And certainly we were surprised at the amount of money they threw his way. I think it was like three years, $45 million. It was all structured that it was really just a one-year deal with the guaranteed money up front and that they could always get rid of him after one year. So like the contract itself was a little bit overblown because you, I mean, that's what you had to pay to pick your starting quarterback. But I remember we all kind of had this thought like, you know what? We haven't seen all of Mike Glennon with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We got, we saw him get some glimpses in there and he had played well at some stretches. So there was still some reason to believe he could come to Chicago in that starting role with, you know, ideally they were trying to build around him a little bit more than they ultimately did. And there were some other failures that we'll get to in there. But like there was, there was a thought process at the time, even at the time that we thought that could have potentially worked to some extent, right? I'm putting a lot of asterisks and modifiers on that. No one thought that Mike Glennon was going to come to Chicago and be an MVP, but it was like, all right, let's see what they can do. Cause they were moving on from Jay Cutler. Clearly they had had some injuries there and had to try some different quarterbacks and it was, it was ugly the year before. So to have some sort of stabilizer at that position was a relief. I don't think we had illusions of grandeur or anything like that, but we were led to believe it was this was Mike Glennon's team, this was Mike Glennon's offense, and all that gets thrown out the window a little bit with Mitch Trubisky, but clearly those four games of Glennon went worse than even the Bears expected. I don't think they were expecting Mike Glennon to play three years at a high level, but I think they were expecting him to last more than four games before they had to pull him and put Mitch Trubisky in. The idea was that Trubisky would stay on the bench for a while, and Mike Glennon's inability to stay on the field long enough to give Trubisky more time on the bench certainly was the biggest reflection of Mike Glennon's failure as a free agent signing and Ryan Pace's and John Fox's failure in terms of getting the right sort of quarterback in the mix. And we, we don't want we don't have to go back through and play, you know, 2020 hindsight should have signed this player instead and all that stuff because a lot has changed since then. But we can pretty confidently say that at the time we didn't know Mike Glennon would be the world's worst signing, but I don't know that we were all super thrilled about it either. I remember feeling similarly about Deion Sims, the tight end that same offseason. Another one of these, like, build to come to Chicago and be that big-bodied, well-rounded tight end 
to really help bolster this offense. And same kind of thing. It's like he had played in Miami, and he had flashed some stuff for a while, but hadn't really been given a, a great opportunity in a great offense and you know a limited role for a lot of that. So bring him to Chicago. But I remember at the time, like, uh, you know, I, I'm willing to see if this will happen, but I don't know if I've seen enough from him in Miami to, to really be that confident and to give him that bigger multi-year deal that the Bears invested in him to truly be that tight end. And again, very quickly, we could tell Deion Sims was not going to be the tight end for the Bears. I, honestly, honestly, I felt similarly about Trey Burton. Was it just a, another year later? Same kind of thing. It's like, all right, you're getting a guy who's flashed some things with the Eagles, but you're asking him to play a much more expanded role and trying to get him to be something we haven't yet seen him be in the NFL. And all of a sudden, you're paying these guys for their future production rather than what they've done so far. And sometimes that can be a worthwhile investment, but usually you need to see a little bit more first, a little bit more proof of like, hey, they have done this before for a few game stretch. Like maybe they were in the starting lineup for a little while and really flashed it. Or maybe they had a a stretch of just the right amount of opportunity to show you that they could do it consistently. And it was just a matter of, okay, give them more games to show you it. But like, I don't know that Burton was ever really given that opportunity in Philadelphia. And so Chicago was such a brand new role for him and he was okay the first year, but you know, again, like back to back tight end free agent signings that were billed to be what was going to be missing from this offense very clearly unable to fill that role properly. And that's what it sort of comes down to for me. It's like, what were they expected to do and how much money went to them and what did they ultimately end up getting from them? You know, Cody Parkey was supposed to be the Robbie Gold replacement and the answer there, and a double doink later, he's out. Or Marcus Wheaton supposed to come over from the Steelers and, you know, be at least some kind of offensive help. Not, you don't have to be your number one wide receiver, but instead he comes to Chicago and catches three passes. I think he had like got paid four or five million dollars that year for three passes. I mean, it was just nothing. Or, or Quinton Demps at safety, another one of these veterans. He comes over and you get like, what, two or three games out of him and that's that's it. And I know injuries start to play a little bit of a role there and certainly Ryan Pace can't be excused for all that. But then like, does Robert Quinn enter this conversation as well. It's only one year. I'm not ready to mark him as automatically, truly a terrible free agent signing, but it's off to a very poor start given the money that they gave him. And he has a chance to turn it around still and rewrite a little bit of the narrative about him in Chicago, but it has definitely started off on the wrong foot. All of this starts to build some trends about where Ryan Pace has had success and where he hasn't, and some lessons we can learn about the Bears' general manager next on Locked On Bears. We did it. We made it to the championship of the Built Bar Bracket to find which flavor truly is the best-tasting protein bar. Every Built Bar flavor tastes good. They're all covered in 100% real chocolate, They're all low sugar, low calorie, high fiber, and high protein, but only one can be the truly best flavor. We've gone through a whole bracket of flavors versus flavors head-to-head, voted on by you, and now in the final, cookie dough chunk versus coconut brownie chunk, pretty much my two favorite flavors of all Built Bars. Glad to see them go head-to-head, and now we have a number one flavor. 
I can't spoil it for you here. You got to go to BuiltBar.com, take a look at the brackets, and then try the best tasting protein bar for yourself. Enter in our promo code LOCKEDON15 to save 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. When you focus in on Ryan Pace's bad free agent signings, it's really easy to be like, oh man, this guy sucks. He can't evaluate talent. He overpays all these players every offseason. They don't work out and they're all terrible. And it's like, why does the guy get free reign to go spend big money on guys that aren't going to play off? Like, yeah, he signed a couple of good ones here and there. But look at that list of big name busts that just stink. Leave this stench all over the Bears front office. But I think as we've kind of gone through it, right, you see enough of the positives there to balance it out. And a lot of guys just kind of end up in the middle, right? I mean, that's kind of what free agency ends up being for the most part. It's like you might have a couple of good ones here and there, and you'll have some bad ones here and there. And then you got a lot of guys that are like, all right, like you about got what you paid for, and that's that's fine. You know, they're not changing, you know, they're not game changers for your team, but they're not wasting salary cap space or wasting snaps or wasting a roster space. You know, I think, like, a guy like Taylor Gabriel at wide receiver is a good example. You know, he comes in, and he's an all-right receiver, and they paid him all-right receiver money. You know, he was never going to be a number one. He was sort of a number two slash number three, and that's about what they paid him for, and, you know, that's fine. It's not, it's not sexy. It's not exciting. It's not... A hot take, it's just like, all right, yeah, Taylor Gabriel's pretty good. Or you have some free agents in there that were like good ideas, good signing, good process, right? This player played really well, but couldn't stay healthy, for example. There's a, a nice list of like, this was a good signing, but they were injured. And it's not Ryan Pace's fault necessarily that they get injured. You know, like a guy like Pernell McPhee comes over from Baltimore. And it's, if I remember correctly, there were like, known concerns about his knees being able to hold up in the long term. But he had not missed significant time at all with the Baltimore Ravens. And since he has left the Bears, he's been able to play some stretches with with Washington and then now back in Baltimore. Just this past season, he's 32, and he played 15 games. You know, he's only had three sacks. He's an older player now, but it's not like... He came to Chicago, was injured to the point of it ending his career completely. He still gave them some very, very good snaps, an aggressive physical edge rusher that was an important part of some of those pre-Matt Nagy defenses. But still, you know, I think it's not a terrible signing in terms of the talent that the Bears, they identified a good player, and it wasn't Ryan Pace's fault necessarily that he couldn't stand the field as consistently as the Bears would have wanted. Or like Jarrell Freeman at linebacker. You know, he ended up getting suspended, and then he had some concussions and kind of ended his time in the NFL as a result. But, like, he was really good. When he was healthy, and it was he and Danny Trevathan, they had a really good linebacker duo. And, again, it wasn't like he came over from the Colts having missed a bunch of chunks of seasons throughout his career. I mean, he was a little bit of a a late bloomer in terms of being able to stick in the NFL, but I'm not going to blame Ryan Pace for how that ended. It didn't end well for the Bears, but... You talk about the process of, okay, signing a quality player and, and hoping things work out. Some things are just outside of the general manager's control. Or Antrell Roll, late in his career, a good safety signing, but he could only get about halfway through the season before he got injured. Like, those are all, like, I can't call them, like, 
great signings from Ryan Pace because ultimately they didn't really work out the way the Bears wanted to or needed them to. But I think they were good decisions at the time by the general manager. And I think that that means something. I mean, I think ultimately Ryan Pace ends up very middle of the pack in terms of how good he is in free agency compared to other general managers in the NFL. Because I don't know that there is a general manager that is consistently really good in free agency. I think if they were, we would see more teams try to emulate that. And they, you know, it would be a known thing like every year, like who is this general manager going to sign? Like every team has some really good successes. Every team has some pretty big failures. And we've seen you know, teams like the Raiders and some of these other teams really have to cut a lot of guys right after they sign them and really struggle in free agency. And I think we can say Ryan Pace is better than them, but we've seen other teams, you know, the Green Bay Packers have always been very, very selective in free agency and tend to be a little bit more efficient in that route because for a long time, they just didn't spend that much there, so they tended to get pretty good value. And, and Ryan Pace has been more inclined to spend big, and he has spent big on some wrong players. So he's not on that end of the spectrum either. He's very firmly in the middle, and he finds some good gems that on, on the cheap. He occasionally will sign a big name that fits really well, and occasionally he'll sign some big names that don't fit very well. Although, to be fair... Some of the biggest bad signings were a little bit on the earlier side of his career. You know, Glennon early on, Sims fairly early on. Burton was just a couple of years ago, and Parkey too. It's not like you can excuse it all for being a young, inexperienced general manager. But I think he's trended better in the big spending department until Robert Quinn. Again, I'm not trying to absolve him of any kind of blame more recently, but you know, he had more success as of late with the Allen Robinsons and the Akeem Hickses and the the Glennons and Sims were generally a little bit longer ago. If you tried to plot his best and worst on a timeline, we're seeing them get perhaps a little bit better. But I've been struck a little bit as I kind of went through of how many of the free agents the Bears have signed who ultimately never played for another team again, especially wide receiver and defensive back. As I was going back through, Eddie Royal, Taylor Gabriel, Kendall Wright. They all played for the Bears. They were all released by the Bears and all never played in another regular season game again. And I think Gabriel might have opted out of the COVID season, but wasn't signed really up to that point anyway. So there's still a chance for him to get back into the league, but hasn't up to this point. Defensive backs, same kind of thing. Tracy Porter played in Chicago and never played anywhere again, despite being still young enough to be able to play, but evidently teams just moved on to younger cornerbacks. Prince Mukamara hasn't even played anywhere. He was with the Raiders in the quote-unquote preseason last year, but is still a free agent and didn't play at all last season. Or the safeties we mentioned. Quinton Demps, Antrell Roll. Came to Chicago, got hurt, never played again. It's just kind of a weird trend that has happened with some of those players. Other guys, Deion Sims, Gerald Freeman, Mitch Unrein, you know, came to Chicago, played a little bit, and never ultimately played. I don't know what that means. I don't know that it's there's any, like, big lessons we can take away from it other than perhaps Ryan Pace at times has taken a chance on some older players on the cheap, and some of that can be a trend of that, and some of it's bad luck with injuries, and some of it's bad luck with not properly evaluating the talent. I mean, he's not blameless, but he's not necessarily the reason some of those guys retired. So, it's just interesting. The Bears have had a kind of a, a nice wide variety of how free agency has gone, and I think it keeps them pretty firmly in the middle from a general manager standpoint. I think it's a slightly different discussion when it comes to the NFL draft, just because there's a lot more nuance that goes into that. Like, 
with a guy like Mitch Trubisky, you know, we're, we're not going to go in all that, but like a lot of draft analysts had him as the number one quarterback and Ryan Pace got it wrong, but so did everybody else. So how do you start to evaluate that? We just learned that the Cleveland Browns wanted to draft Mitch Trubisky number one overall in that draft. And Hugh Jackson pounded the tail for Miles Garrett instead. And that could have been the Browns mistake. And if Trubisky had gone number one, you know, would Ryan Pace have been the fool for liking him at number two? You know, it's like, it's crazy how many different things can change and, and how the perceptions of that in retrospect change. And so it's a slightly different discussion as you start to go back through draft picks. But I think free agency, the Bears are sitting okay there. And we'll see how that kind of pans out this year with, Andy Dalton, because the quarterback track record across the board has not been great. And, you know, we'll see how much faith they truly have in Dalton. I mean, there's, there's a lot going on. But we're going to find out a lot more about how they really feel about Dalton and their offseason on Monday's podcast. Because today, Friday, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are having a postseason press conference. So we're going to hear all of their thoughts and some of their justifications for some of the moves and see how they try and right the ship a little bit here and, and calm the angry Bears fans with their torches and pitchforks out. That'll be coming on, on Monday's podcast, the press conference today, a Friday press conference. Ends up getting a little bit buried in the news, but we're not going to let it go. We will have all of the most important quotes and news and notes and developments right here for you on the Lockdown Bears podcast. So make sure that you subscribe to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Then we're going to crank up the NFL draft talk. We're going to break down quarterbacks. We're going to break down some specific schools with our college football hosts here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Really start to drill down on these prospects and make sure you know all the players you need to know for the draft coming up now at the end of this month, less than a month and away from draft day. It's one of the best times of year. It's a lot of fun. We're going to learn a lot about a lot of players. And I hope along the way that helps you Bear down.